You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Last week, we looked at the centrality of Christ. Um, This is the fact that everything we do should point to Jesus. Um, We're going through our study in the Calvary Chapel Distinctives, and um, it's given us a foundation piece to build on. And and so that's where we were last week in chapter 7. Everything that the Apostle Paul did was for that very reason. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. We remember here that Paul said to the Corinthians that that they weren't there to preach to them uh, programs and principles. They weren't giving them 10 or 12 steps to follow to freedom, uh, not giving them 15 points that are kind of neat and you know, maybe you could use them in your life. He was just simply teaching and proclaiming Jesus. It was all about Jesus. That's everything they did. He continues by saying that we as apostles, we as teachers, we are slaves. Our purpose is to help you understand more of him. In that, I would say my purpose is the same. And also, each teacher and each leader that is here, part of this ministry, it's the same call for them as well. It's to serve you. It's to serve the body in helping to understand God's word and how it's applied to our lives. Last week, we also talked about worship and the fact that worship is more than what just happens on a Sunday morning. It's our lifestyle. It should reflect reflect Christ at all times. The fact that as we do corporate worship on a Sunday morning, that we should be engaging, that we may all worship a little bit different, raised hands, maybe kneeling, but the fact that worship should never draw attention to yourself or be a distraction to others who are worshiping. That's why you'll never see crowd surfing in the middle of worship service. It's not what it's for. It's not a concert. And today, as we take on the next chapter of our study in the distinctives, we talk about the end times. We talk about the rapture of the church. This is the longest chapter in this book. And remember, as a Calvary chapel, we normally go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through God's word. Um, Really felt led by the Holy Spirit to help build us in some foundational pieces as who we are as a church and to understand what is a Calvary chapel really about. Um, and we've talked about that fact of you ask somebody where they go to church, and I've had these conversations more than once. Where do you go to church? Well, I don't know. It's over there on such and such street. What's the name of it? I don't know. Well, what do they teach? Oh, you know, God stuff. They, I mean, they use the Bible, I think. The goal and the focus behind this study is to make sure that you know what Foothills Calvary is, what we stand for, what we believe as a body But in that, to challenge you to know and understand what it is you believe as well. And to focus us on God's word. I've been asking you pretty consistently 
What do you believe and why do you believe it to be truth? And in that, really, where do we find that truth? Well, it should be in God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The idea is that I help you and challenge you to be able to articulate what you believe and why you believe it using Scripture, not just your words and your thoughts or your opinions. That's why the focus is on prioritizing the Bible. It is indeed truth. Everything we do in life everything we do in ministry. It's weighed and should be weighed against God's word. Every time I get on this platform, you should have your Bible in such a way to say, okay, is that really what God's word says? Because that's where we go for that truth. And there are some who are going to agree with me this morning as we get into the subject, and there may be some who don't agree with me. But we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We've got to remember that there are doctrinal issues that are okay to discuss but they're not always comfortable, and those uncomfortable discussions should never cause division between brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? It's imperative that we remember the two things. We've talked about this before. We have open-handed doctrine, and we have closed-hand doctrine, right? We have two ways to look at those things that we trust and we believe. In the closed-hand, the, these are things that are not uh, up for debate. They're not up for discussion, in that hand is the fact that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and really everything that we know, that, that we will not let go of. Or the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the three in one, three distinct characters, one God. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus died for your sins and my sins and he rose from the dead and he's right now with the Father in heaven, that's in that closed hand, not up for debate. The fact that salvation is by faith alone, because of grace alone, not because of anything man has done or can do. The fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to a restored relationship with God, the only way to eternity in heaven. Fact. Doctrine, closed hand, not up for debate. The Bible that we have is translated, and as we have it, as we study it, it is the anointed word of God. It contains the truth of God that he has revealed to us. And then last, that Jesus is going to return again for his church. And we could add a few more to these, but all of these issues in my mind, and these are things that are worth fighting for. These facts, these fulfilled promises and truths are at the very core of who we are as believers. Now, in this open hand, there's biblical issues that we can discuss and we can debate in a healthy way, but don't impact our salvation in any way, shape, or form. None of these things, though, should cause division in the body of Christ. Creation, seven days, 7,000 years. Should we have an argument about it? Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 8, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years like one day. Could be seven days, could be 7,000 years. Open hand. Calvinism versus Arminianism. 
both godly approaches using scripture. It's okay to discuss it, but don't cuss through it. Eschatology, the part of theology concerning with death, judgment, and final destiny of the soul of humanity. For us as Christians, it's all about the study of God's word in regard to the last days. Before his return, leading up to his return, the rapture of the church, and ultimately his second coming. Within that, in the eschatology, we have pre-tribulation thoughts, mid-tribulation thoughts, and post-tribulation thoughts about the rapture. Good to discuss and talk about and look at Scripture with, but not worth an argument or division. Or some who say that the New Covenant Church should be meeting in homes, not in buildings. Open hand, we can discuss that. How about in corporate worship? Well, we should all sing just hymns, nothing else. No, it should be all modern choruses. There should be no instruments for worship, um, unless, of course, it's an organ. Anybody know what an organ is? Maybe three of us. Anybody actually seen an organ? There's a better question. Hey, I'm at, okay. About six of you. Um, yeah, they'll take me on a rabbit trail. All right. We could do worship with an accordion, right? Get a little polka going in worship. How do we do worship? We can go on and on. We can discuss those things, but those things don't affect our salvation, and they shouldn't cause division in the church, right? Those are things in that open hand, and we can go on and on with those. But there's a great deal of church division over the silliest of things, uh, including the color of paint on walls or in the outside of a building or the type of carpeting. So we can't allow ourselves to get caught up in foolish arguments. One of my fr- best friends, and, and actually he's a mentor of mine, we used to get in debates over scripture stuff all the time. And so it'd just be him and I, and we'd just be going at it. No, it says this, oh, it means this. And, and we're going back and forth. And sometimes it would get a little hot, but it was never like, I didn't have my hands around his throat or vice versa. But every time we got done with those discussions, we would stop and pray with each other. How can I pray for you, brother? Okay, how can I pray for your family? And we would pray with and for each other. Matter of fact, there was one of the times when I prayed for him and I actually saw a physical miracle happen in front of our eyes as we're sitting there praying. So we had this great debate and discussion over Scripture and we were still brothers in the Lord. And we loved on each other and encouraged each other and prayed for each other. Back to life we go. There was no animosity. There was no bitterness. And that most of the time when we get together again and we'd see each other and we saw each other pretty much every week for several, several years because of our involvement in church. And we didn't go right back to that point of contention that we were having over scripture. Man, we just, he was my friend. And we would talk about other things in life and family. Sometimes we'd come back to the subject, sometimes we wouldn't. It's not worth division. As we engage in biblical discussion about the rapture, don't lose your mind. And I know some of you are like, well, why would we do that? But I, you don't get the emails I get. <laughs> or the little notes in the offering box. Don't lose your mind over it. I'm going to share what Calvary Chapel believes and what I believe and lines up with that as well. And prayerfully, we lay it down. And, and, and I challenge you to search Scripture and to pray. And in this, there's three things that we have to guard against in our society today things that influence what it is we believe because we're such visual beings and because we have so many outside voices. 
We have to watch out for Hollywood. We have to watch out for conspiracy. And we have to watch out for false prophets and false Christs or antichrists. Hollywood. How many of you have watched TV or seen a movie? Everybody in the room, right? Matter of fact, in high school, I actually watched movies in this theater, like when it was Green Mountain Theater, right? We've seen, we've all seen movies and TV shows, and out of all those things that you've watched, how many of them have been apocalyptic or end-of-the-world themes to the stories? Quite a few, maybe. Maybe it's just me. The Matrix, Interstellar, The Avengers, The Terminator, Mad Max, The Hunger Games, World War Z, zombies, anyone? What, no, never mind. The Day After Tomorrow, the movie 2012. Uh, that's just a few. IMBD is the website I went to, and I, I typed in, you know, apocalyptic movies, and 1,108 movies came up in the search. 1,108 movies of end times, end of the world kind of stuff. But then there's also Christian movies as well. And I went through a list of those, and most of them I hadn't heard of. Any of you seen Left Behind? Three of us. Any of you read the books? Anybody read all the way through the books? Did you make it all the way to the end? Yes, I got a yes and a no. <laughs> I, I think I stopped like two books shy, man. Two books shy. We can't allow Hollywood or even some Christian authors to shape what we believe about the end times and rapture. We can't allow conspiracy theory and social media to guide and direct us into what we should be believing. It's got to be God's Word. What does God's Word say? And then we have conspiracy. Same can be said of conspiracies. The Holocaust wasn't real. JFK was assassinated by the CIA. The moon landing was fake. Aliens are real, and they have some of them in Area 51. 9-11 was an inside job. The earth is flat. Bill Gates is orchestrating COVID-19 as population control, and the vaccine has nanobites so they can track you. Conspiracy. And we can go on and on with those, couldn't we? I get conspiracy theories sent to me all the time. Emails, text messages, instant messages. You gotta see this one. Mm, delete, delete. If you send those to me, just know I don't watch them. Sorry, I delete them. Now, conspiracy can be fun, can't it? It's like that murder mystery kind of thing. You ever play Clue? You kind of figure out who did it, where it's coming from. It can be fun. It seems to bring some order to your chaos and kind of distract you from really what's going on, but we can kind of go down a rabbit trail, can't we? You get sucked right into things that, well, we don't need to be. So there's two warnings about conspiracy theory. First, we should never get ahead of what God wishes to reveal to us. God will reveal the truth in mystery. He'll tell us what we need to know in his time. And there are some things that we just don't need to know. We struggle with that at times. We shouldn't, shouldn't indulge in useless speculation. When we get into some of those things and those conspiracies, it, it takes time and effort away from the things that we should be doing for Christ. If we're so engulfed in that, we're not being beneficial. 
Second, we should not fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Many conspiracy theories feed on fear. They prey on ignorance and gullibility. God has called us to something better. We can't allow the wild, unchecked words of men and women to shape our beliefs in what's happening around us. Stay focused on God's word. There's false prophecy and false Christs. Those who rise up and claim that they are the Messiah. We saw that in David Koresh in a compound that got burnt to the ground. We saw that in Jim Jones, for some of you that are older, and mass suicide. People that are led out astray and out of fear. And out of these three, this one gets me the most angry, the false prophets and, and the false teachers that mislead so many. Even current teachers now, today, in our country and around the world that are teaching replacement theology, stating that we as Christians have taken the place of Israel in the Bible. That's incorrect. It's not biblical. Israel is still Israel. The Jews are still God's chosen people. In the 80s, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, I was a prophecy book of the month kind of guy. What could I get my hands on? What was the newest book? Hidden prophecies in the Psalms and the Jupiter moon effect and the newest version of Grant Jeffrey's book or Hal Lindsey. I get the new version every year because I had to rewrite it because what they said the year before was wrong. And I just gave them another $20 bill. Okay, what does it really mean then? Take it to God's word. The Left Behind series. Well, that's fiction. It's written by some godly people that, that have studied eschatology and, and that's great, but but if we just read that book and that series of books and we think that that's the way the end times are going to all unfold, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. For years, I blindly followed along without checking Scripture. I, wanted to, I needed to see how it actually tied in with, with God's Word and what it is that they're saying. So it's okay to read some of those books, but with a grain of salt. What is it that God's Word says? And I also agree with Jack Hibbs and the prophetic side of things. He says, stop naming dates for the rapture of the second coming of Christ because then Jesus is not coming back on those days. So quit putting dates out there because Matthew 24, 36 says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the son, but the father alone. Every time some nut puts a date on a billboard, it makes Christians look crazy. Jesus is coming, end of the world, September 23rd. It was like five years ago, I think, when they did that one in California. And they keep doing it. Oh, that's September. October, I'm sorry, October 19th. That's when it's supposed to be. New billboard. And then no, it's November 12th, I think. And, and they keep doing it. We don't know the time. We don't know the day or the hour. We can prayerfully look at Scripture and we can keep a proper perspective based on the truth of God's Word. The, the main point here is that we have to be in God's Word. We may know the time or the season, but we're not going to know the day. We're not going to know the hour. And there are many pastors who won't breach the subject of end times because they deem it too controversial. 
And I'll be honest, when I first stepped into this position as senior pastor four years ago, I was determined to avoid the book of Revelations and any teaching on the end times because of how I grew up and all the things that I heard. And man, I don't want to get caught up in all that mess. But then I went to my first pastor's conference for Calvary Chapel out in California and Jack Hibbs got up and guess what his topic was for us as pastors? how important it is to teach about the end times in your church as a pastor. Boo. And so I began to examine and learn and grow and dig into God's word and really look at what it is that I believe and why I believe it to be truth and to come to a biblical conclusion, not based on what other men had written and done and said, but based on God's word. And so here we are this morning and talking about the Calvary Chapel distinctives and taking on this chapter on, on the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 through 18. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When we think about the end times, when you personally think about the end times, how do you feel? Does it freak you out a little bit? Or are you looking forward to it? And we should be thinking about the end times and not be stressed out about it. We should be um, anticipating what it is that God is going to do. We should actually be excited that we get to see prophecy fulfilled and eternity opened up for us. The reality is, and I've said this before as we've walked through the COVID stuff, God has us here on this planet for such a time as this. There's stuff for us to do. We're alive today for a reason, for a purpose, and that's to fulfill God's will. So the rapture. The rapture speaks of the time when Jesus will come and take away the church, that is the, the Christians from the earth. And it's within this tone and thought that, that we see where Calvary Chapel stands with pre, a pre-tribulation view of the rapture, meaning that Christians are going to be removed before a great time of tribulation, before that great time of pain and suffering. And we know from Scripture that Jesus is currently preparing right now a place for you and I in heaven. That alone should bring us hope. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Do not let your heart be troubled, Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to pre and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. So the promise is, is that we will get to be with him. We're going to be in, in, in heaven for eternity with the Father. Not everybody is going to die. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. 
at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. So we're going to go through a metamorphosis, instant. What is the twinkling of an eye? That's how quickly we'll be gone. As Paul addressed the church in Thessalonica, they were actively watching for the coming of the kingdom of Jesus. They believed. They had an expectation, and we should have that same expectation. Are we looking for and longing for his return? Are we longing for the rapture? I remember my grandpa growing up, and he's always, he's just waiting. Man, Jesus is coming back, so the rapture's gonna happen anytime now. It's gonna happen anytime. He was waiting, he was anticipating. Now he's in heaven with the Lord. He's doing just fine. And now that excitement should be coming from me. Man, it could be any moment. Are we anticipating? Or are we just passively letting time slip away? Even in the book of Acts, they were anticipating the kingdom of God. Lord, is it now? The Apostle Paul even believed that he would be alive for the coming of Jesus' kingdom in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Many push back as we teach about the rapture. Well, the rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Actually, the word translated in the Greek, caught up, is harpazo. It means to be taken away by force, forcibly taken. In the Latin Vulgate, which is basically the Latin version of the Bible, it, it translates the word harpazo to raptus, which that's where we get our English word rapture. So guess what? It's there. It's when we're caught up, when we're raptured. So the first event is the rapture, the taking away of the saints, the, the Christians. The second event then that occurs, the, the second coming of Christ. It's then he comes with the saints, with the Christians from heaven, and he establishes his kingdom on earth. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. And then Paul states in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. The, the reality is, and I agree with Pastor Chuck here in the book, as he reminds us that we will be with God forever. Forever. Isn't that a good goal? Hallelujah. We get to be with him. So there's a distinct difference between Jesus coming for his church and Jesus coming with his church and the reality is the rapture could happen at any time now's good cue the trumpet the rapture can happen at any time nothing else has to be fulfilled but there's some prophecies that still need to be fulfilled before Christ's return the revealing of the antichrist the establishing of Satan's kingdom in full power and the great tribulation, among others. 
Luke 21, 27 through 28 in the New Living Testament says, or New Living Translation, it says, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. Are we living our life that way? Do, do you sense that something is happening? Do you sense that we're kind of at the end of time? I sense that. The next question then is, are you standing in expectation of the return of Jesus? Because as we see the second coming of Jesus come closer and closer, it, it means that, that the rapture could happen at any time. Any time. With everything that's happening in our world, as I see things, and, and there's those times where I have to shut off the news, right? And I tell you guys to do that all the time. Shut off the media, shut off the news. But, but as I know the things that are happening in our world around us, there's times where I want to just go stand on the roof and say, okay, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Can I just be a little bit closer? I love the example of anticipation that Pastor Chuck gives in the book. And he and his wife were walking through the mall one year at the end of October, and he saw them putting up Santa Claus and the reindeer along with other Christmas decorations, and he turns to his wife and excitedly and says, man, I love Thanksgiving. And she responded to him sideways, looking at him, well, those are Christmas decorations. Well, he knew that. But he also knew that if Christmas decorations were going up, that it meant Thanksgiving was just around the corner. He loved Thanksgiving. He was anticipating it. Can we not anticipate Jesus is coming soon and know and understand and anticipate and be excited for the fact that the rapture is even sooner? He's coming. Are you ready? We all ask for signs, don't we? Just like the Pharisees did when Jesus was on the earth and the disciples did. Lord, tell us when these things are going to happen in Matthew 24, 3. They wanted to know when the temple was going to be destroyed, when the government would be overthrown, and the kingdom of God set up. They didn't ask about the rapture of the church. They didn't ask about tribulation. But Jesus told them anyways. Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Or Matthew 24, 21. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. He wasn't pulling punches with them. And neither does he with us. Verses 29 through 30 of Matthew 24. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Our, our command is to watch and to be ready. Verse 44 of Matthew 24, For this reason you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Matthew 24, 46, blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Meaning that we are to be on point in our relationship with God. Making sure that we are living like God's word says, that we are being obedient to what his word has told us to do. 
We have to make sure that relationship is where it's supposed to be, that we are ready for his return. But it also means that we are to occupy until his return. That means that every morning we get up, we have to put on our, our big boy pants or our big boy or big girl pants, and we have to go to work. We have to adult, and we have to live our life. Jesus goes on to tell a series of parables and, and of which the point is be ready. Like, so I encourage you to read through those later. Let's just go through the book of Matthew. Be ready. His return can happen at any time. Remember, we've talked in the past about being ready in season and out of season, and that's in regard to us sharing our faith, right? Be ready in season and out of season to give a reason for the hope that you have. That's what we're called to do, but now we're also to be ready all times. Be ready for his return, not complacent. Matthew 25, 13, be alert then, for you don't know the day or the hour. Personally, because of what I read in Scripture, I don't believe we're going to be going through the tribulation. Luke 21, 36 says, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all of these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. But this is another command for us. It's to be alert and to pray. So the question for you is, are you alert? Are you watching? Are you praying? Are you preparing? Are you keeping your eyes open for what God has? We see that God will indeed deliver the righteous in the end times in 2 Peter 7, 2, 7 through 9, but he also will preserve the unjust for the day of judgment. Then that question becomes, which side of that are you going to be on? The side of the just or the unjust? I stand in agreement with many pastors as they say that the Holy Spirit is residing in the church. That is the Holy Spirit. As we talk through the book of Acts, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about that as well. The Holy Spirit, before you're a believer, walks alongside you, drawing you to the Father. When you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you and is part of who you are as a believer. And then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, we as a church are filled with the Holy Spirit. If the church, Christians, spirit-filled Christians, are raptured, what does that do to the evil that's in the world? It's unleashed. How many of you think that we have pretty evil times right now? <laughs> Can you imagine what happens if you take people who are genuine followers of Christ out of this place? What then will restrain the devil and there's more in all this study and this is like a 30,000 foot flyover of the rapture and of the end times and I challenge you to make sure that you get into God's word and, and you read it and you study it and you pray over it I encourage you to read chapter 8 of the distinctives and to read those associated scriptures you know I was putting the scripture slide together and there's 18 scriptures on there it's because I cut it in half. There were about 36 in the original study. As there's a lot of scripture. Walk through it. Read it. Pray over it. See how it connects. There's a lot more here than just a 30 or 40 minute message on a Sunday morning. 
But as, as you study these things, be aware of those kind of pre preconceived notions that you have that you've picked up already from Hollywood or conspiracy theory or social media or false prophets or teachers. Make sure you set those things aside and look at it with a clear mind, asking God to speak to you. So in all of this, what matters the most when it comes to the end of the world as we know it? What's the most important thing? I mean, I look at it, and it was funny as I was putting the message together and come to the closing, and I'm like, all of a sudden, the song from R.E.M., any of you know who R.E.M. was back in the day? One of their songs. It's the end of the world, and I know it, but I feel fine. I feel fine. It's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. Why do I feel fine? Because I am saved. I have salvation. I've accepted Christ. My relationship with God has been reconciled. Oh, that people would repent and believe. And if you truly believe that we are in the end times, that the return of Jesus is coming soon, then shouldn't you increase your time in prayer and his word? Just because the, the uh, end times are coming doesn't mean we get to go sit in the corner or sit in the closet, right? It means that we should be standing up and being stronger, that we should increase our time in prayer and his word, that we should be looking for every opportunity to share our faith, especially to our family members, unless, of course, I guess you want them to go to hell. I have lost family members. I have cousins and second cousins. Man, they need Jesus. And as I was putting this message together even, I'm just praying over them. Lord, would you give me opportunity to share? Would you give me opportunity to bring hope? They're always very kind. I do every single funeral for our family. I do the memorial services. And every time I'm done, they'll come up and tell me, wow, it was really good. Thank you for that. Man, I just want them to get the gospel. And that's what they're getting. Can we not take every opportunity to share with our loved ones? God has put them right there. Don't be complacent. Now, we've read some of the, the scriptures, and we've looked at some of the doctrinal and theological pieces to the rapture, and, and in that, we can't get caught up in thinking that, well, the rapture is some kind of escape pod where we're just out of here, and we don't have any responsibility, or that we're not going to have any pain or suffering, or, or we don't have to do certain duties as Christians. We cannot become complacent. We have work to do. And I believe, indeed, there's going to be a time before the tribulation, where we will suffer as Christians. We've, we've suffered a little bit. How many of you think we've really been persecuted through COVID? No. We've suffered a little. But what does persecution look like? But even with COVID, look how COVID has shaken the churches, and people have fallen away. Now, there's other people who COVID's hit, and they're like, oh, man, I got to get to church. How, how quick can we get there? And they're coming with Bibles open, ready to go. Okay, God, what do you have for me? There's been some shaking there. I feel like it's going to be a little more intense. God's with us, but that's part of the reason we're going to be heading in after this study into First and Second Peter. How do we suffer well? Do we have a theology of suffering? Because as Christians, we're all going to go through things, but can we do it and do it well with our eyes fixed on God, with faith and with hope? The church, 
Christians, especially in America, have not been tested. When we talk about persecution, you know, it's not just them telling us to wear a mask in a church or that we can only have so many people in a church. Pretty sure all of you have your head still attached to your body. What does true persecution look like? What's the persecution that's happening in Africa right now and they're kidnapping and killing Christians out of churches and Christian schools? What's happening in the Middle East? Right? Do we really know and understand? I'm now re-prepared for whatever's going to happen where our faith is going to be immovable, that our eyes are going to be fixed on him, that our story and our tune is not going to change. So we have pre, mid, post-rapture. We didn't really talk about that. Um, those who believe pre-trib rapture means we're going to go before tribulation happens, mid-trib, right? People, some people think we're going to go three and a half years in. Tribulation is seven years long. We're going to be here for half of it, and then we're going to be raptured. Some people believe it's going to be at the end of it, and, and we're going to be raptured at the end of the tribulation. Some people believe there's no rapture at all going to happen. We're just waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Regardless of where you land in this perspective and in God's word, are you ready for the return of Christ? Because if you're ready for the return of Christ, it doesn't matter, pre, mid, post, doesn't matter. What matters is that you are truly engaged, that you're truly ready for his return, for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The reality is, no matter what your view, we are to occupy until his return. Meaning you and I are to be about the Father's business. We go to work, we buy, we sell, we teach, we proclaim the gospel until our very last breath, until the rapture or till his return. We do not stop. As a matter of fact, we need to increase in sharing our faith. We need to step it up and step forward assertively. We need to be reaching people everywhere we can go and giving them hope, the hope that we have. No time to be ashamed, no time to be bashful. It's time to be a Holy Spirit-filled, empowered follower of Christ. Amen? Amen. I'm sorry, right. I just challenge you guys. Get in, go deeper. Look at what God's word says about the end times. That means you have to do some work too. Amen? Amen. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you want to communicate to us through it. And Lord, we could have gone weeks just on this one subject. So Lord, we take the time that we've had and, and we ask that you bless it. And, and I pray, Lord, that um, you challenge each of us to go a little deeper that you would give us clarity of mind, that we don't get caught up in what Hollywood's version of what the end times look like or conspiracy theories that are out there floating around or whatever social media says or false teachers and false prophets, Lord, let us push them aside and let us stay focused on your word and be directed by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we would truly study and meditate on your word. Father, I also pray that you would break our hearts for those who are lost, those who don't have a relationship with you, Lord, our family members, our friends, our, our co-workers, 
uh, even a stranger that we would meet at the grocery store, God, would you break our heart for them and let us be ready just to give them hope. As your word says, to, to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have and to do it with gentleness and compassion. Let us be ready for that, Lord. And driving that, Father, let it be um, a desire to be forever in your presence, an anticipation of your return. And time and time again, Lord, I know I cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come uh, in anticipation. But Lord, I also step back and say, if there's one more soul for your kingdom, one more soul that can be saved, help us to reach them. Let us be obedient to the call that you have on each of our lives individually and corporately as the body of Christ. And Lord, as there's storms and turmoil all around us, I pray, God, that you help us to hold steady with our eyes and our heart set on you. And the same with every service as we end, it's always to give an opportunity for you to surrender your, your, your life to the Lord. The, the reminder that God created the heavens and the earth and they were perfect. God created man and woman and they were perfect. And then sin entered into the world. And when that sin entered into the world, it, it broke that relationship that was perfect with the Father. And ever since that point, man and woman ha have been trying to fill that void with alcohol, with drugs, with possessions, with pornography or sex, even with the thought of, well, if I could just go to church, if I could volunteer enough, if I could, you know, just be a good person, I can make it. All of those things will, will fall away. That gap is still going to be there between you and the Father. Because Jesus, God's Son, came from heaven to earth, gave his life for you on a cross. He was crucified for your sins and mine. He went to the tomb. And he rose again. Because of that act, we have an opportunity to repent and believe. To ask for forgiveness of our sins. And to have a restored relationship with the Father. In the book of Romans, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. Repent and believe. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you, if one, if, if, that's, if you've walked away from the Lord, if you've strayed from that relationship with Him, it's time to come back and to make that right. It, it, it's time to restore that relationship. And two, if you've never surrendered your life to the Father, if you've never surrendered your life to God, then today is the day to take care of that as well. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to say a simple prayer. It's a conversation really from your heart to God's heart. But say something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and I believe that you're alive today. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. 
come into my life today and be Lord of my life. And I will follow you the rest of my days. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me to share the hope that I have now with others. And I anticipate, I have great expectation for your return. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room, I'd love to chat with you after service. Just let me know. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. If you prayed it online, you can shoot me an email, scott at foothillscalvary.org, and I'll reach out to you as well. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.